The How to Study the Bible podcast is brought to you by BibleStudyTools.com and is part of the Life Audio Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational faith-affirming podcasts, visit LifeAudio.com. Hey everyone, I want to let you know about a opportunity that is going to start February 1st. If you're new with us here, or you know that you just need a refresh, or you're starting for the first time to encounter God through His Word, I want to invite you to a 30-day crash course called Help My Bible is Alive. It's a book I've written that leads you day by day through the basic tools you need to encounter God through His Word. And I don't want you to do it alone. I want you to come with us with a whole community of folks who are going to spend 30 days really just jumping in and making a habit, creating a commitment to really learn how to use those tools and understand God through His Word. All you need is the book, Help My Bible is Alive, which we'll drop in the show notes. And you can just come on over to my website, NicoleUnis.com slash Bible. And there you'll find a way to sign up for a free group where I'll be doing live videos and you can be in community starting February 1st as we all journey together through Help my Bible is alive. I'll see you guys there. When surgeons go in to do their work, the first thing that they do is they they clean their hands so fully all the way up to the elbow and they have a whole method. And that all happens or that happens when you're a surgeon before you go into surgery. And that's what we're invited to do in scripture. We're invited to use our imagination to really focus on what's happening here and what it actually is saying. Welcome to How to Study the Bible. My name is Nicole Eunice, and I am your host, your coach, your friend on the journey, and I am so excited that we are in 2021, and I'm really happy to let you know that we're going to be here every single week looking at Scripture together and experiencing God together. So if you're new with us, I just want to say welcome. Um, You are joining a bunch of folks from all across the country and the world who are interested in finding God through Scripture, and I am just so pleased to be your companion in that journey. Um, if you are new, I want to invite you to consider checking out the first few episodes in this podcast where I really explain this very simple method that we're using together to find God in, in Scripture, and it's called the Alive Method. It's something that I explain more fully in my book, Help My Bible is Alive, which is a 30-day crash course in you and a study Bible and a journal and really all the tools you need to actually experience God on your own, in your own relationship with Him. So you can check those out. But just know, I'll refer to the Alive Method um, as we go along because it's a framework. It's it's not um, the gospel. <laughs> it's not ultimate truth. It's just a way, um, just a system that you can use when you open your Bible to say, okay, what do I need to do right now to make sure that I'm like really understanding this text for what it means? and then raising my mind to higher places of what does this mean? And then finally asking the question, what does this mean for me? So the Alive Method is just four simple questions that we're asking of Scripture. The first is, what does it say? It's remarkable how um, easy it is to read 
And especially if we're familiar with a story or a passage to just kind of read and not actually absorb anything. So we really try to slow down and ask, what is this really saying? Let me make sure I'm reading the words. I'm seeing, I can restate kind of what I'm reading and I'm asking questions. Because if we really want to understand scripture, we're probably always going to have questions. There's always going to be a question. So we're going to slow down to ask, what does this really say? Can I restate it? Do I understand just the language, the passage, what's happening? The second question we ask is, what is the backstory? What was happening around this passage? What's the context? Um, the context means, when was it written historically? Who was it written to? What kind of literary device is being used here? Is it a narrative? Is it a letter? Is it poems? Um, you know, we ask those questions to make sure that we have a full picture of what was happening behind the scenes in this passage. Then we move to question three. What does it mean? And what does it mean is really what are the principles here that we can apply, that we can understand? What What is God teaching us about himself? What is God teaching us about human beings? What is God teaching us about his interaction between him and us? And so we're going to ask those bigger questions. And this is the place where as you grow in your knowledge of scripture and in your understanding of God, this becomes um, easier. But at first, it can be a little bit more challenging. And this is where people People often get kind of hung up or fall off of their desire to understand God more is is they feel a little bit confused. And I just want to invite you to be comfortable with the tension, to be okay with being confused or, or be okay with the mystery. God's inviting us to be people who become truly like obsessed with him. Like we really want to become people who are like, I want to, I want to understand that. And I I don't just think about it for 10 minutes in the morning and then never think about God again. Or I don't just think about God when I have to because I'm in church and someone's telling me to. No, it's like I think about God all the time. I'm looking outside and and asking the question, God, what is it that you meant by that? Or what does that look like? Or what would that be like in my life? And God's inviting us to a mystery that creates curiosity. So we have to be comfortable when we get to the what does this mean that sometimes we don't quite know what it means. And we can ask the Spirit of God to give us wisdom and discernment, and we can we can seek out understanding through His Word. Um, but that is built over time. That's not all going to happen in, in one 10-minute session. That's something that's built over time. So stay with me and stick with me. And I think you'll find I'll start to try to build some of those things for you so that you can begin to do them for yourself as well. So that's what does it mean. And then finally, When we understand the principle in front of us, when we're able to say, yeah, I think that's what I'm getting from this passage, then we ask the question, okay, what does this mean for me? Because it says in the book of James, faith without works is dead. And that doesn't mean um, you better show up and show out and be a good person or it doesn't matter. What it does mean is that if you read the word and you go away as if you've never read it. If you if you read the word or you encounter God and you're like, okay, you know, wipe off my hands, get on with my day, and you're not asking the question, wait, what is this, what is this doing in me? What is God inviting me to? What is God challenging me to? What am I being encouraged by? How am I worshiping God because of what I've learned? So number four, what does it mean for me is when we truly move to that place of transformation and we take the word with us, we allow it to go with us into our lives and into the way that God is, here's a big theological word, sanctifying us. 
Sanctification just means the way that we are being changed, the way we're being transformed because of our relationship with God. And the, the vehicle for that transformation is God's word plus our willing hearts, our hearts that are willing to be changed when we're willing to have our perspectives shifted, when we just position ourselves in a place to say, I'm here to learn, to be curious, to allow God to do a work in me. I'm putting myself before his word. I'm putting myself um, into a place where I can be with him so that he may transform my life. And that's why we ask that question at the very end. Now, some of us are very prone to just asking, what does this mean for me, without the other three steps. And, and what I'm here to do is to provide that discipline of asking those other steps so that we're not reading scripture out of context and, and becoming disappointed and discouraged or cynical because we're reading p- passages and we're taking them out of the context that they were originally meant for. And therefore, we're just we're, we're truncating the whole thing. And we're losing the mystery and the depth and the richness. So we want all four questions to be a part of our Bible study and our time with God. So that's the Alive Method in a tiny bit. And if that stokes your curiosity and you want to experience that for yourself or with a group, check out the book or go back to the original first six episodes. I think it was six episodes of the podcast, and that will get you started. But we are moving forward together as well, and it is a new year. And so for the next few weeks, I want to look at new promises for the new year. This part of you that loves new that that longs for new, I, I believe that was put into you by your father God, by your spiritual parent. Um, this desire to be made new um, comes from him and is backed up by him. And the foundation of that desire for new we find in scripture. God gives us promises about what he makes new from Old Testament to New Testament. And over the next few weeks, we're going to look at those promises together. So we're going to move around in Scripture. But what I want you to do to prepare for this time, um, if you are able, if you're, if you're sitting with your Bible, if you're on a walk, friend, or in your car, and you're squeezing this in, more power to you. I am so glad. I'm going to read you the Scripture so that you can be with us. But if you're in a place where you have a journal or a Bible, I want to invite you to turn to the book of Ezekiel. I'm sure you spend tons of time there. Um, it's kind of in the middle of your Bible. So if you if you flip to the middle, you're more likely to find it, or you can just check your table of contents. Um, Ezekiel is a prophet in the Old Testament. This is a long book of prophecy. Um, God is enacting his judgment on the Israelites who have consistently turned away from him, who are rebelling against the life that he has set out for them. And he's going to use his prophets to call his people back. But in addition to that, what we learn in the prophets, there is historical context for that time, for what was happening then. But there's also places where we are able to see that the prophecy that was given at that time truly was calling forward 
into uh, the New Testament, calling forward into this promise of a coming Messiah, this promise of a new life and a new way. And we're going to look at one of those today in our very first promise of the new year, which is God's promise to give you a new heart. This is Ezekiel 36, 25 through 27. And I just want to invite you to take a deep breath for a minute. Because God always says, come to me with faith. So we want to come into God's word and believe that God has a word for us today. Because he does. Okay, here it is. Ezekiel 36, 25 through 27. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Okay, a live method number one. What does it say? So when you listen to that passage or you look at it in scripture, I want to invite you to look for words that repeat. Pay attention to imagery that God is giving us. And I will say the very first thing that I notice is that the word clean or cleanse is used three times in the, in verse 26. And then we hear in verse 20, I'm sorry, in verse 25. And then in verse 26, we hear new heart, new spirit, this new thing that will come. And the third thing that I noticed that I hope you do as well is I always look for the pronouns. Let's make sure we understand who's talking and who's talking to whom. And you may notice that the word I is used over and over again. I will do this. I will sprinkle water on you. I will cleanse you. I will give you a new heart. All of those things are the the work. The person who is taking action is the I in this passage. And the action is being done to who? The you. So I want to make sure I understand that because so often you guys in life, I think we're confused about what is my job? What is my job to do in my relationship with God? What is God's job to do in my relationship with him? And here, whoever I is, that person who's represented here is the one who is doing the work. So we're going to ask the question, we would circle I, who is I? We're going to ask the question, who is you? And then we're going to notice the imagery that's being used here. And as I read this passage over and over again, one of the things that I noticed was, okay, this really feels like surgery. This feels like surgery, just what happens with surgery. And when surgeons go in to do their work, the first thing that they do is they, they clean their hands so fully all the way up to the elbow. And they have a whole method. My, my youngest, uh, my oldest son, when he was a new baby, was in the NICU for seven days. Thankfully, he was really fine, but we were monitoring him for a long time. And as a new mother, I remember so well every three hours going into that NICU and doing the full scrub protocol before we went in to see our son. And that was a very, very um, systematic process of making sure that you were clean. And that all happens, or that happens when you're a surgeon before you go into surgery. And when I look at this passage, I think to myself, it's like surgery. And that's what we're invited to do in scripture. We're invited to use our imagination to really focus on what's happening here and what it actually is saying. 
And so what we hear now is that we've got these questions, and I'll, I'll answer a couple of questions for you. The first is this. You may have already guessed, but if you back up to verse 22 in this chapter, it starts and says, therefore, say to the house of Israel, this is what the sovereign Lord says. So we have our answers there about who this passage is to. So first of all, this was said, this is Ezekiel speaking as God. So the I in this passage is God. God is saying, this is what he is going to do. And the you is the house of Israel. Now, what we know right now in 2021 is that we know in the New Testament, and again, this is where as you begin to grow in Bible knowledge, you can understand this, but you should ask these questions. We know in the New Testament that we are considered the new Israel, that those who are following Jesus are are considered the chosen people, which means we can go back into scripture and see that these promises are not just for the Jew, but also for the Gentile. And if you're not Jewish or Jewish by birth, you're a Gentile. Everyone else is a Gentile. So What we know is that these promises apply to us as well. So the backstory of Ezekiel, and I've given you a little bit of that. Question two, what's the backstory? The context of Ezekiel, and I find this just in a, in a study Bible. I'm only using my study Bible when I'm, when I'm leading you guys. And in my study Bible, when I look at the book introduction of Ezekiel, the book introduction is always full of gems. Like if you're just confused, especially if you're not familiar with a book that you're reading, go to the book introduction. It will help you so much. And one of the things it says in the book introduction is that that Ezekiel is about God's sovereignty. And 65 times in the book of Ezekiel, there is a mention of something like, then they will know that I am the Lord. Basically, the theme of Ezekiel is that God is is, is expressing how he will be known as God. And chapters 1 through 33 are basically all the bad news, 33 chapters about punishment for Israel's sin. But then we move into chapters 33 and 48, which is this promise of full consolation, full restoration, full mercy because of God's grace. And so we're entering into that part of the passage. And we want to know that stuff when we're reading what we're reading, because it's it's pretty easy to be encouraged by this passage without going that deep. But when we actually understand, wait a second. God is promising this work that he's going to do, and he's doing it for his people who have completely turned away from him. Like he is doing this. He's offering his love and grace. And if you read chapters one through 33 of Ezekiel, you're going to be like, who is that God? Oh my goodness. But you've got to understand the context. God has promised over and over again that we can return to him. God has promised to his people, no matter what, no matter what you've done, turn to me and I will have mercy on you. And now he's saying how that plays out. But God is a God of truth and of justice. So he is, he's saying in the first 33 chapters, hey, if you turn away from me, it's going to go badly for you. Like if you don't do life the way I've laid out life for you, it doesn't go well. And any one of us who has ever wandered from God, who's who's lived in rebellion, who's lived in sin, we know that feeling of being like, I have reached the end, like this is leading me nowhere. And, and God is saying, this is the, the message of the Bible, but the message of Ezekiel is, you can come back to me. There is the promise that you can be made new. So th- question number three, what does it mean? We hear this promise of a coming new thing. One of the principles that we hear here 
is that God is promising a coming new thing. Another place that we read about this is in Jeremiah 31, verse 34. This promise of a coming new thing, it says in that passage, no longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, hey, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. That was Jeremiah 31, verse 34. That's the promise of this coming new thing. That same promise is repeated in Hebrews 8. Hebrews actually quotes Jeremiah, no longer will they teach their neighbor or say, know the Lord. They will all know me from the least to the greatest. God is making a promise that everyone can know him and that there is a coming new thing. And in that coming new thing, we have been given a new heart and a new spirit. So if you are taking notes, if you are following along, I want you to write down as your principle, God is giving us a new heart and a new spirit. What's amazing to me, and I am trying not to get ahead of myself, but I can't help, you know, y'all, it's 2021. We're going to need some time with God, yes? So I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I'm going to bring this up again in the rest of the series. But oh my goodness, all of this is pointing to this incredible moment that kind of reaches this, this apex, this climax, this mountaintop, where right before Jesus is going to the cross, He's with his disciples and he enacts this new way. And he says in Luke twenty two twenty, I am giving you a new covenant. And that new covenant is sealed in his blood as he's about to go to the cross. So before the disciples even know where he's going, as he's explaining to them what needs to happen in order to enact this new life with God, where he is the ultimate sacrifice, where Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice, where he is our priest, where everything that we learn about in the Old Testament is is coming to bear, is being culminated in the experience of Jesus. And he uses this language. Here comes your new promise. Guys, we get to live into this new promise. He enacts covenant language. He says, I will be, you will be my people and I will be your God. That's what God says all through the Old, Old Testament. Whenever he's giving a covenant and a promise, he says, you'll be my people. I'll be your God. So when Jesus says, here comes the new covenant, he is referring to this coming new thing that is referred to in the Old Testament again and again. And when we read this passage in Ezekiel, this is the coming new thing. This is what was promised to us. All of the promises that are made about this coming new thing, we can have, we can access. So when we ask, what does this mean for me? It means that this promise in Ezekiel is a promise for you. God says, I will cleanse you from all of your impurities, from all of your idols, from all of the ways that you are, you're tempted to go find life somewhere else outside of me. I can cleanse you from all of that. And not only that, but I'm going to do a surgery. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will take out that heart of stone, every place that feels hard, every place that feels stony in you, every place that feels dead, every place that feels like it can't change. God says, no, I am giving you a promise that you can have a new heart, that you can have a new spirit. And guess what? Who's doing the work? Who's doing all of the work in this passage? It's God. And I love that this is the text note. This is the little note in the study Bible underneath verse uh, 26, 36, 26 in Ezekiel. In the study Bible, it says, what God requires of his people, he always provides. I mean, come on now. 
Anybody want to just amen, amen, wherever you are, on your walk, in your car, doing the dishes, sitting with your Bible, amen. God, whatever he requires of his people, he provides for his people. And so in this passage, we learn, guys, we don't have to keep trying to make yourself new. You don't have to keep trying to clean yourself up. God is saying, I am the one who does the work. Come to me, turn to me. I am the one who does the work. So what does this mean for us today? What does this mean for you? Well, that's between you and God. Because any place that your heart feels stony or dead or like it can't change, any place in your life that you've given up on, any way that you've decided that you must not be qualified to to know God in that way or experience a big life with God, whatever that thing is, God is asking you to turn back to Him today. And today is a day where you can say, yes, I believe, God, that you can give me a new heart that you're the surgeon, the one who actually removes these places of stone and gives me a beating, living heart that I can be alive in the life that you have given me today. And guys, if there is not a better promise for 2021, we are not going to find our life in the outside things of the world because the only one who has the power to give us life is God through Jesus Christ. Amen. I'll see you guys next week. Thanks for listening to How to Study the Bible with Nicole Eunice, a production of LifeAudio.com and the Salem Web Network. This episode was produced by Kelly Givens and our executive producer, Stephen McGarvey, and edited by Stephen Sanders. If you enjoyed what you heard today, we'd love for you to head over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. It really does help people find us. To learn more about Nicole, you can check out her website at NicoleEunice.com. Her book on how to study the Bible is called Help, My Bible is Alive. And you can find a link to that plus a link to Nicole's site in today's show notes. Is life feeling chaotic? I get it. I'm Rachel Wojo, host of the Untangling Life podcast. Don't miss the passionate encouragement and faith-based resources you need to help you clear your head and calm your heart. As Shell says, it feels like Rachel always knows what I need to hear. She keeps it real and is so humble. Her podcast is just the cherry on top. Enjoy Untangling Life with Rachel Wojo on lifeaudio.com or your favorite podcast app now.